Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. You ever been pulled over by a police officer? Uh, okay, I'm going to give it to you here. So I'm just driving back. I do not drive at night. And we're coming back from dinner with uh, my executive assistant, Lori, and her husband, Bill, my bride and I. And I'm just cruising down Bussy. And all of a sudden, I am lit up. Oh, no. And one of Chicago's finest is pulled up behind me. And I'm like, wow, find the nearest exit. Pull off on a side road. He pulls up behind me. And I'm like, what'd I do? Funniest thing. He pulls up, gets out of his car, kind of slides up slowly. They all do that. You know, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. He says, um, hello, are you aware that you don't have your headlights on? <laughs> oh, no, oh, really? I said, <laughs> No, and my bride goes, no, we didn't notice that. Oh. There are so many lights for oh, street lights that you just didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. <laughs> but he was a cool guy. He was a cool That's guy. Good. He was a great kid. And when I say kid, I mean kid. I mean, it is, <laughs> you know, when, when, when I did get pulled over back in the day, because mm-hmm. I did from time to time when I was young. Okay. Yeah. They were always old dudes. Sure. To me. Yeah. They were probably in their 40s. I was going to say, yeah, you're dudes. in your, you know, in your early 20s at the time. And now I get pulled over and I'm like, can I give you some life coaching on how your life's going is what's inside of me. It's like, <laughs> hey, young man, you seem like a nice guy. How about you hang out here a little minute? We'll talk. Oh, boy. Oh, it was a great time, though. We had a great, great conversation. He says, ah, let me just run your license real quick. And I said, yeah, no problem. Anyway, he came back, made small talk. He says, I'm not going to write you up. Just make sure you get that thing flipped on next time. He says, these new cars, he's talking to me like this. He says, they can, they give you all your dash lights. And they do. Yeah. I just hadn't made that final click to turn it on my headlights. You think he was trying to make you feel better? Oh, he was being so kind to me. These new cars, it is hard to tell if the lights are on, and but it's okay, sir. He, he said to me, he said to me, and I almost took a shot back at him, but I thought, you don't mess, even even though he's a good guy. But he said to me, he said, you probably remember when the lights didn't light on the dash unless they were lit up <laughs> out there. And, and I looked at him and I smiled. I said, I do remember. Yep, 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 yep. I do remember. Boy, anyway, good, so good kid, man. Good, good so kid. Good. So, and I, I just want to say this um, to all you police officers and those of you that are EMTs, firefighters, from the bottom of my heart, I want to tell you, I love you. You guys are the best. And we don't live in a world today. We've got a, we've got so many crazies that want to demonize you at every corner. I'm just here to tell you, I celebrate you. Shine the rest of these guys. I celebrate you. You're doing a tough job. And my heart almost went out to him because here I am driving my wife's car. It's a nice car. It's not dinged up. Checking me for lights. But the poor guy has to walk up with caution to every car. It didn't used to be that. I'm old enough to remember when people would just walk right up to a car. And In fact, back in the day, this is how old I am. Back in the day, we actually got out of the car 
and would go back and find out what was going on. Hmm. Well, nowadays, if you get out of the car, man, <laughs> there's going to be a problem. You got to stay seated, roll the window down, and keep your head screwed on. And your hands on the wheel. Keep your hands on the mm-hmm. wheel. Because these poor guys, I'm just going to bleed here for a second with these guys. They don't know what they're running into anymore. They don't know. It's fair. It's What's going on? It's scary. And I got to tell you, well, how would it be to go to work and there's moments of tension often, mm-hmm. if not sheer terror at moments throughout your workday? How would you like that? Allie has that working with me. I get that. <laughs> but that would be a tough job. So to all you police officers out there, EMTs, firefighters, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being gracious to old-timer knuckleheads that don't turn their lights on all the way. <laughs> and I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. really do. It's good to get pulled over once in a while. Is it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I agree about that one. <laughs> I think I'll pass. Yeah, yeah. I had a great conversation we'll with you. We'll, okay. we'll let you take it for the team. Yeah. I said I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I don't drive at night hardly ever. He says, really? <laughs> He's probably thinking I've so got a, further probably confirming got an eye condition. Yeah. I know. I, so he smiled and I said, I'm a morning host. Oh, really? Where do you, where, where do you host radio? I told him about Moody Radio. He goes, oh, cool. That's great. He says, well, you have a good day. I said, thank you, officer. <laughs> Drove away with my headlights on. There you go. There you oh, go. That, that's good. That's Lesson good learned. Coming up, minute and a half, we're going to break down where we're going here today. Got a central passage of scripture. Any text out of context is? Pretext. 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 And if you look at this passage, and it's oft quoted, oft quoted. I love this old English. Sounding old again. Yeah, I know. It's, (laughs) hey. Wow. She's calling me. She's putting me in King James era. Allie's going for it, man. It's like someone who doesn't turn their headlights on. It's oft quoted. I'm moving on now, Allie. It's a new me. Uh, Allie, I'm uh, super. I'm moving on. It's oft quoted without the context. And if you get this context, it'll change everything. Breaking free from demonic influence. Hang on. Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right. It's been a rough morning already. Taking some hits for my age around here. Somebody help me. And then I get a text from someone from 180. Jeff is going to pick on you, Carl. He always comments on those kind of people. Those kind of people? You're not one of those kind of people. Those kind of people? People who get pulled over? People who drive without their lights oh, on. Oh, without probably. their headlights on. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't try to. Usually my bride would pick up on something like that. It's like our light. She didn't see it either. It's okay. Yeah, No, I mean, it, that is when you're on a well-lit, it's, in a well-lit area. It's crazy that way. It, I was That definitely can happen. When I was on my honeymoon in Hawaii, I was driving around in a rental car, and I had never driven a car that just didn't have the setting on automatic. So I was driving around the island with my headlights off for like a week. And everybody was yelling at me. And for like the first four days, I was like, why is everybody yelling at me? And and then I was like, oh, no, the headlights aren't on. So I went like four days without realizing that the well, headlights weren't on. That's, that's Flash, actually right? so, my wife, Brad and I were conversing. 
it's so dangerous. It is. Yeah, well, it's, but, I mean, more so for the people who are outside of the car than the people who are inside of it. But, yeah, but no sure. one flashed their lights back at you? Like, that used to be kind of the hint. Like, if you didn't have them turned well, they on. they did, but I didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> because I'd never had my headlights off before. I was like, why is oh. everybody mad at me? What they were, what they were talking about. Is they were talking all right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, okay. Look yeah. at this knucklehead. It happens. I don't blame you, Carl. I'm He's with a you. tourist on the island. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just like everybody else, though. So. Oh, okay, uh, this is, let me break it down for you here. Be angry and do not sin. This is verse 26 of Ephesians 4. This is super important. This is very important. Who's this book written to? The church in the, Ephesus. The church in Ephesus. And who is the church? The ecclesia, mm-hmm. the called out ones. So these are born again people, right? Right. It's important yes. to note here. Okay. Because we're going to jump in and see this now. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, comma, verse 27, and give no opportunity, could be translated toehold, to the devil. Now, nobody wants to be given an opportunity to the devil. Certainly not. No. And we know that demons cannot possess Christians. But the obvious question is, can demons influence Christians? I think the clear answer to that is yes, because if it's told to Christians to give no opportunity to the devil, that means the devil could have an opportunity. Yes. Good. That's just good inductive Bible study. Simple, good inductive Bible study. Any text out of context is pretext. You want to know how to battle the demonic? You want to walk, break free from demonic thoughts that are in your mind, you want to break free from this stuff and it can manifest itself in a lot of ways, but make no mistake about it. Unchecked anger is a portal for Satan to start messing with you. That's just a fact. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. Watch this. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. How powerful is that? Hmm. Speak truth to each other. This is why we've got to get a place where our shared common language is the word of God, where we're speaking truth to one another, helping people understand holding on to anger in this context is a portal for satanic Influence, not dominance, not ownership, but influence in our life. And we need to be careful with this. Demonization and demons. Look, Satan is the prince and power of the air. A third of the angels fell with Satan in rebellion, prideful rebellion. They live to accuse, deceive, and tempt, and they're doing it constantly. They did it with Jesus. What makes it think it won't happen to us? Yeah. How can truth help us? Well, I mean, the Word of God is always going to keep us believing the right things, constantly renewing our mind to think right things, and to identify, like we talked about yesterday, deception, because certainly deception would be a tool of the enemy. Yep. Yep. Vengeance is my mind, says the Lord. I will repay. If you just come to a person who's got anger and say to them, listen, God's big enough to handle this thing. Don't take it on yourself. 
put it at the foot of the cross. My bride uses this constantly. She says to me all the time, I'm just bundling that up, and I'm going to go put it at the foot of the cross. Why? Because when you hold on to things that you think you need to manage or make right, oftentimes we begin to stew on that thing. When we see that God is judge and jury on Mm -hmm. all things, doesn't that give us freedom? Oh, yeah. The God who called us out of darkness and into the light, he doesn't let a thing, not one thing goes by. Did you know that God can read your mind? Jesus can read your mind. The Holy Spirit can read your mind. Now, if God is that omniscient, that all-knowing, he knows everything that's going down, both spoken and unspoken. Speaking truth is going to free us from letting Satan get a stronghold through our anger. And man, that is something you can take to the bank. We got a great treat coming up here in just a moment. Fred Dickinson is going to be with us here, Allie. I'm, I, I am, this is a new name for me, but apparently he has a rich history here at Moody. Real rich. So I'm excited to chat with him about yeah. this. And here's what I love. There is more seasoned wi- wisdom. I mean, come on. Think about Berkshire Hathaway. That entire monolith of investment strategies, the, one of the biggest trading mechanisms is Berkshire Hathaway. All their purchases, acquisitions, liquidations of stocks that people put their trust in are monitored still by a couple of guys that are in their 90s. Unbelievable. Is there wisdom to be gained from people in their 90s? Oh, yeah. We've got one of them for you. Oh, yeah. God is good, guys. Sun go down on your anger, comma, verse 27, and give no opportunity, could be translated toehold, to the devil. Now, nobody wants to be given an opportunity to the devil. Certainly not. No. And we know that demons cannot possess Christians, but the obvious question is, can demons influence Christians? I think the clear answer to that is yes, because if it's told to Christians to give no opportunity to the devil, that means the devil could have an opportunity. Yes. Good. That's just good inductive Bible study. Simple, good inductive Bible study. Any text out of context is pretext. You want to know how to battle the demonic? You want to walk, break free from demonic thoughts that are in your mind, you want to break free from this stuff and it can manifest itself in a lot of ways, but make no mistake about it. Unchecked anger is a portal for Satan to start messing with you. That's just a fact. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. Watch this. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. How powerful is that? Hmm. Speak truth to each other. This is why we've got to get a place where our shared common language is the word of God, where we're speaking truth to one another, helping people understand holding on to anger in this context is a portal for satanic Influence, not dominance, not ownership, but influence in our life. And we need to be careful with this. Demonization and demons. Look, Satan is the prince and power of the air. 
A third of the angels fell with Satan in rebellion, prideful rebellion. They live to accuse, deceive, and tempt, and they're doing it constantly. They did it with Jesus. What makes it think it won't happen to us? Yeah. How can truth help us? Well, I mean, the Word of God is always going to keep us believing the right things, constantly renewing our mind to think right things, and to identify, like we talked about yesterday, deception, because certainly deception would be a tool of the enemy. Yeah. Yep. Vengeance is my mind, says the Lord. I will repay. If you just come to a person who's got anger and say to them, listen, God's big enough to handle this thing. Don't take it on yourself. Put it at the foot of the cross. My bride uses this constantly. She says to me all the time, I'm just bundling that up, and I'm going to go put it at the foot of the cross. Why? Because when you hold on to things that you think you need to manage or make right, oftentimes we begin to stew on that thing. When we see that God is judge and jury on Mm -hmm. all things, Doesn't that give us freedom? Oh, yeah. The God who called us out of darkness and into the light. He doesn't let a thing, not one thing goes by. Did you know that God can read your mind? Jesus can read your mind. The Holy Spirit can read your mind. Now, if God is that omniscient, that all-knowing, he knows everything that's going down, both spoken and unspoken, speaking truth is going to free us from letting Satan get a stronghold through our anger. And man, that is something you can take to the bank. we got a great treat coming up here in just a moment. Fred Dickinson is going to be with us here, Allie. I'm, I, I am, this is a new name for me, but apparently he has a rich history here at Moody. Real rich. So I'm excited to chat with him about yeah. this. And here's what I love. There is more seasoned wi- wisdom. I mean, come on. Think about Berkshire Hathaway, that entire monolith of investment strategies. The, one of the biggest trading mechanisms is Berkshire Hathaway. All their purchases, acquisitions, liquidations of stocks that people put their trust in are monitored still by a couple of guys that are in their 90s. Unbelievable. Is there wisdom to be gained from people in their 90s? Oh, yeah. We've got one of them for you. Oh, yeah. God is good, guys. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Uh, We often think of demonization as in the films that are being featured right now for this season of Halloween that we're coming into. And it's almost the glorification of demons, which is an irony to me, because the big screen can seem to glorify Satan, but it diminishes the Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. You don't hear anything about the Lamb of God, really, in the uh, kind of status quo media out there. But my goodness, God is on the move. And there's a lot of questions in in the minds of believers in Christ, those that have been born again. What influence? 
can demons have over us? Boy, have we got a guest right now. Might be a familiar name for some of you. It's Dr. Fred Dickison. He served on the faculty of Moody Bible Institute for 34 years. Uh, he was a professor and chairman of the theology department. He's got many, many, much audio in our audio archives, which we're going to give you a link to. And he and his counseling practice has counseled over 650 people with demonic problems over his 45 years. So first question, Dr. Dickison, what's the secret for saying, staying spry at 96 years young? <laughs> well, it's uh, knowing the Lord and walking moderately, and, uh, <laughs> depending upon the Spirit of God and one's life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, let's break into this. I'm so glad you're with us here. I'm. It's such a treat. I've read at least, a, I've got a couple of your books in my library, and you break it down so eloquently. But let's begin with... What is going on with the address to the Ephesian church about not letting the sun going down on your anger and giving Satan a stronghold or a foothold or a toehold? How how does that fit? How can it how can redeemed person by the blood of Jesus Christ give Satan a foothold in their life? Well, it's obvious that uh, the Apostle Paul thought that was possible. Yes. We actually uh, participate in the uh, enemy's uh, mindset and his activities when we uh, have grudges, when we have no um, compassion upon people, and uh, we try to be the judge. Forgiveness is God's part, and uh, we should also be forgiving. So what actions specifically would open up a Christian to demonization? I think that's the thing that most people would want to know. Where would I be susceptible? You mentioned grudges. You mentioned not having compassion toward others. Uh, what else might make a Christian vulnerable? Well, I use the acronym APT, A-P-T. The most frequent reason people have problem with the enemy is ancestral God says in the second commandment, I visit the iniquity of idol worshipers upon the third and fourth generation. And uh, so it scrolls on down. If there's uh, any uh, idolatry, immorality that goes along with that uh, in the ancestral family, that the enemy thinks he can uh, can stay in the family and uh, control as much as he can. That's the first one. More than 95% of the people that I've talked to in the last 54 years have ancestral problems, things that uh, are false religion, false lifestyle. And uh, then the second one would be personal involvement in things occult or demonic, getting your fortune told, playing with the Ouija board, uh, basically having your your fortune told uh, is, uh, is something that can be done several ways. But um, contacting spirits or using a medium or... We call that uh, necromancy, trying to uh, get in contact with the dead. dead yeah. uh, you said apt. What is that third one, doctor? Transfer. When a person is treated in a suspicious or hurtful way, if the person who treats them is demonized, there may, a tr- may be a transfer of demons from the demonized person to the person who's being treated or hurt. For instance, in rape or in uh, uh, some sort of physical uh, affliction, beating, torture. There can be um, a transfer. I think when people hear this, our guest right now is Dr. Fred Dickison, uh, professor and chairman of theology department here until his retirement at Moody in, in 1995, has spoken extensively on the topic of angelology and demonology, and he's with us here today. I think a lot of people hear what you just said, and the instant reaction is, oh, my goodness, 
well, what in the world can we do? Especially we live in such a post-Christian world. Most young people and most of us can look back and trace ancestral problems, big problems to our family. What's a Christian to do when they look back and they see those kind of things in their family line? The first thing I would suggest is to renounce, confess and renounce the ancestral background, not the ancestors, because we can love them. But their practice, we, we could hate. The Bible says, you who love the Lord hate evil. <laughs> Sometimes I ask my friends, how's your hate life? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the idea is to uh, confess that and to renounce it and to take your stand against any ancestral curse or spell or what we call familiar or family spirits and ask the Lord to relieve you and your children of the, that, uh, the curse that's involved there. That's the first thing to do. We've got much, much more with our special guest, Dr. Fred Dickinson, uh, giving us some time this morning. Coming up, let's talk about some of the things we give human diagnosis to afflictions, things that are going on in our life. How much of that should actually be attributed to demonic influence? We'll talk about that coming up. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Our guest right now, Dr. Fred Dickison, served on faculty here at Moody Bible Institute for 34 years until he retired not too many years ago, 1995. He's 96 years young and sharp as a tack, and it's a joy to have him here. He's an expert and has lectured extensively on angelology and demonology. And he's seen 650 persons with demonic problems over 46 years set free by the power of God. Allie, let's pick it up. Yeah, Dr. Dickinson, are we too slow to consider the impact of demonic influence when we consider some of the afflictions and things that seem to come at us, come at our families? Well, in our Western society, we're used to God being up there and we're down here and there's nothing in between. So we don't give too much credence to the idea that uh, there's a spirit world that affects us, but it's going on all the time. Both good angels are there and evil angels, so that we have to um, take that into account in a biblical worldview. To people that are listening right now, some might say, well, what in the world can I do about this? Because they, I, I think fear can grip people quite candidly. Doctor, I think people can be gripped by fear. So I want to move toward the only offensive weapon of war that I see in Scripture, and that's Ephesians 6 says the sword of the spirit. How do you wield the sword of the spirit against forces of evil? Well, just like the Lord Jesus did, you know, the enemy came to him with uh, turn these stones into bread. Jesus used the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we use the appropriate scripture. The word there, the word of God, is not logos, which means the whole message, but rhema, which means the sayings. Yes. So the specific sayings, the ones that are appropriate to your particular situation, are the ones that you should use. So you must know the Bible and must be able to wield it against the enemy. Basically, we uh, encourage ourselves by the Word of God, and we tell the enemy that he has no part in this. We stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. By the way, uh, the book of Ephesians and the books of Ephesians and Colossians were written to people who were deathly afraid of the spirit world. Their magic books were worth 50,000 drachma, or 137 man-year wages, when they burned them. Ephesians... uh, depended upon those books for knowing the name of a spirit who is more powerful than somebody else's. 
So they were living in fear, and that's why the book of Ephesians and Colossians was written, to tell us that in Christ we are far above those wicked spirits. We are raised and seated with him in heavenly places, far above the enemy. So we need to understand our position in Christ, our authority in Christ, and confront the enemy. And we do not pray only, but we also confront by the authority of Christ, as did the apostles and uh, some of the others in the New Testament. We do not have the miraculous abilities, but we do have the authority of Christ. Dr. Dickinson, you've counseled more than 650 people over many, many years who had demonic problems. How would one know that they have a demonic problem? Do they come to you and they are aware that there's an issue? Does someone else suggest it? How do you know? Well, both of those. Uh, most most people come because they have um, problems with depression or voices in their head or fear that's just uh, overwhelming. Uh, you know, in the uh, secular realm, the psychiatrist or psychologist would uh, classify a person as either a paranoid schizophrenia, uh, uh, paranoid uh, schizophrenia, or uh, perhaps bipolar, uh, or obsessive compulsive behavior. And uh, that's what it looks like because the symptoms overlap. And they may treat that with medicine. And medicine, by the way, can help. It can um, be sort of a um, bridge over the problem to better health. But uh, oftentimes depression and fear and suicidal tendencies are caused by unclean spirits. Can you give us a story, doctor, of where you've seen people set free from depression that was attached to a demonic influence? Well, there was a believing woman who worked for a couple of Christian organizations, and uh, she was constantly plagued by strange appearances and feelings of oppression and depression. She shared that her mother was um, a member of the Eastern Star, a Masonic Lodge organization for women, and her mother soon became involved with witchcraft and their in, from there into Satanism. The mother was to sacrifice this, this woman, but it turned out a younger daughter was sacrificed instead. So the mother held this against the woman. My wife and I were counseling her with the help of her husband, and the Satanist mother kept sending them things, objects of control, some of which were for their bed, and this was designed to interfere with their, their marital relationship. But this Christian woman wrestled with her depression rather constantly. One day, when driving over a bridge to work, she had this thought injected into her mind. Just drive off the bridge at the top and end all this depression. By faith, she stood against that thought and drove over the bridge safely to work. After counseling for several years, all the ancestral demons and those transferred to her in satanic rituals were finally removed. The authority and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ had freed her. She is now serving in a Bible teaching ministry in the movie industry in California and acting as a spiritual mother to a mixed group of adults. God did an amazing transformation in her life. Uh, I'd love that. Dr. Fred Dickinson is our guest right now. We're going to have a link and we're going to go a little bit longer here, guys. I want to speak, have you have an opportunity to speak to the many thousands of people listening right now who do have some degree of de demonic harassment. We're all attacked by Satan. So at some level, what you're going to share relates to all of us. How do we quit playing defense? and live kind of in the old rope-a-dope boxing metaphor up against the rings, just kind of guarding the punches. How do we get on the offense today and take our authority in Christ 
Give us some practical steps for everyone to take who's listening right now. First of all, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual warfare that's going on. The book of Ephesians and Colossians makes it quite clear. Other places in the New Testament, too. Uh, there are four cases of demonization in, in the book of Acts. When they uh, confronted them head on. And our job, basically, is to assume our position in Christ. You know, since we were baptized into Christ by the Spirit, the moment we trusted Christ, we are baptized into His death, resurrection, and ascension. Ephesians tells us that. And we are far above the enemy. We need to stand in our authority and recognize that the enemy is limited. The demons believe and tremble. We can believe and trust. So we need to take our position in Christ and uh, really um, approach the thing with uh, confidence. Ever since the second occasion I uh, uh, had with a demonized person, I've never been afraid. They uh, threatened me. They made faces at me. They stuck out their tongue at me and <laughs> that type of thing. So I don't give any credence to that whatsoever. I just say, that's all bluff. You can do nothing except the Lord Jesus allows you. Now, you obey. I have the authority of Jesus Christ, and I come to you in his name, and you must obey. So we confront the wicked spirits. That may be a little strange to the Western mind and to many Christian minds, but confronting wicked spirits is not at all strange to the New Testament. You're right. That's quite common. So we need to understand it is not the case for only apostles and prophets, but also for every Christian who is raised and seated with Christ. And so we can confront the enemy in the authority of Christ. And if anyone is suffering from fear, depression, oppression, voices in the head, they need to uh, turn to the Lord and ask for help and then confront the wicked spirits, tell them they're not wanted. They have to go where Jesus sends them. Uh, the value of the word. I want to come back to this again. My bride and I have had not nearly what you've had, but we've had probably over the years a dozen counter encounters with people that were demonized at some level. One young lady was had been ritualistically abused in her childhood for satanic worship purposes. And she got great victory, doctor, by having uh, little cards that she carried with her of the truth of her identity in Christ and the renunciation of satanic forces. This girl is walking in abundance like few Christians are today. Um, is that a practical thing to do, to be armed with the sword of the spirit and to speak out to these forces of darkness? Exactly. Uh, we need to take our stand. We need to be forceful, exercise the authority that Christ has donated to us. He has absolute authority. We have donated authority. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Make disciples. So that's what we do. It's Dr. Fred Dickinson, our guest today. I know much, much more we want to, <laughs> we don't have any more time, but boy, if you want more on this, he's written extensively. He also has some audio uh, in our archives. We want to make both available to you. Just text the word Fred to 312-274-9624. Text Fred to 312-274-9624. You'll get the link to both his, uh, his books, also our Moody Audio archives. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Sometimes ignorance about issues like spiritual warfare can leave us playing a rope-a-dope with Satan. Remember rope-a-dope? I think so. Yeah, rope-a-dope uh, was uh, actually a Muhammad Ali was the best. Mm-hmm. 
he would go into the corner. He would put up his hands and his gloves in front of his face. And he could take body shots, but he'd lower his elbows a bit. And then he'd pick them up. And he was able to just play rope-a-dope and burn out his opponent. Burn him out. The guys would just be burned out. And then Ali, third, fourth round, come out of the corner and just like a bumblebee, lay the wood to these guys. The problem with many of us Christians is that we're playing rope-a-dope and we don't have any offense. Yeah, absolutely. How much of that do you think is just... An, he kept mentioning how in the Western culture, we just don't think... We're too sophisticated. We don't think about it. We do. We diminish the spiritual realm. And the irony is what you said earlier. Hollywood's lighten this thing up. I'm seeing another, uh, an, another exorcist uh, movie coming out, and yeah. it is horrific. Now, it's amazing that the world can glorify what God has confirmed in Scripture, but we as Christians continue to be playing rope-a-dope with Satan. And, and here's what I'm telling you. You can survive playing rope-a-dope. But you can't thrive until you get on the offense. And as Christ followers, we must be on the offensive. We're not too sophisticated for this, guys. We're not. Having come back from Burundi, one of the first testimonies that I heard up on main stage was a great woman of God, man. And she was giving God praise and glory because as she shared her story, she had been so demonized that she couldn't keep her body from being thrown into open fires. And she had burn scars to prove it, Allie. Wow. And yet she stood there and testified before a field of Burundians of the power of God to deliver her from demonization. Mm. Woe be it to us if we diminish this spiritual war that is going on today. You know, we go into seasons around here on this show. And even tomorrow, you're going to hear an amazing story. Uh, we had planned, by the way, somebody, sure enough, you guys are on it around here. You'd heard the banner ad that we were going to have uh, one of our own, Kinsey, Kins, we call her, uh, share her story. We're going to have that tomorrow on Freedom Friday. And it is a palpable story of how a child of God can start dabbling on the dark side and give Satan a foothold. And yet God can get the victory. And you're going to find tomorrow when you hear this story, you're going to want to be here for Freedom Friday, how the power of truth is our offensive weapon of war. We can stand there all day long, girded up with the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We can have all that stuff. And until we pull out the offensive weapon of war, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we will not get victory. This is why we need to be people of the word. Yeah. Speaking it, rehearsing it over and over again. I go back to this beautiful young lady that my bride had the privilege of, of walking through to spiritual victory. And she not only had cards of truth that she carried around with her, she had them pasted to her mirror at home. She had them pasted on a rear view mirror. She had... She had truth just permeating, not only her mind, but speaking out to satanic forces. And this girl is walking in victory. She's unrecognizable. 
from the first days we met her. So text the word Fred. Get this credible counsel from Dr. Fred Dickinson. Fred to 312-274-9624. Quite a topic, huh? My goodness. Yeah, this is, I, I know it's a tough one. Like it's a tough one to talk about, but it's so important. Yeah. Fred's right. The, the Western mind, I think one of the greatest satanic plots that has been foisted upon the church in America is that we've tried to live in the natural with the abundant life, and we've tried to disciple in the natural to live the abundant life, ignoring the supernatural realm. Completely. On, on both, both sides. Both we sides. Diminish the power of the Holy Spirit. Big time. We also diminish the power that demonic influence can have. Yeah. You're right on, Allie. Coming into a new season here yet again, aren't we, Allie? Yeah, it just keeps coming. <laughs> but God's, listen, we're going deeper now because, because God's got us ready, Boom Crew. We're going we're gonna to start taking enemy territory in Chicagoland. We're going to start taking in a, enemy territory. Ever wonder what happens when the mics are off? Find out on Carlin Crew Mornings Facebook and Instagram. Coming up in two minutes, boy, if we got a treat for you, what would it be like for you to go out on a date and take Gary Chapman along? (laughs) Interesting. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. There is not a greater battlefield on this planet today than for the marriage of a husband and wife. Oh, my goodness. It's like all the forces of evil encroach upon intimacy, Allie. We all experience this. Totally. And the challenges and the busyness of life and trying to find time to be together. How about a date night? When's the last time you and your spouse went out on a date? And took Dr. Gary Chapman with you. (laughs) We have Dr. Gary Chapman with us right now. Just looking at a stat. According to the National Marriage Project, couples that have a weekly date night are three and a half times more likely to report being very happy than those who do not. Dr. Gary Chapman, date nights are pretty important, aren't they? (laughs) I think date nights are very important. You know, my wife and I take a date night every week and have, and we've been married 62 years, so that's a pretty good sign. It's a good deal. Let me me ask you a question, because uh, my bride and I have been coached up recently by a dynamite couple, Gary and Barb Rosberg, and we've just benefited greatly from having what we call now chair time, where we have some time to look at one another and share sometimes some pretty deep stuff. Do you encourage date nights to have that component or is there more of a need to just get out and have some fun? And can you blend the two together, Gary? What do you say? Yeah, I think both of those are important. And I think there are times just to have fun together on a date night. There also are times in which we really need to share our hearts with each other and ask each other questions. Where are we? You know, how could we improve our relationship? What's going on in your mind? You know, what are you thinking and feeling in these days? And there's a time for both of those. I call those times sit down and listen time. Yeah. Just like you have a sit down and listen time with God every day. Yes. You know, we need sit down and listen times with our spouse as well. Dr. Gary Chapman, well-known marriage counselor, a speaker, pastor, author of New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. He's been at this a while. Uh, we're featuring an event that's coming up right here on the Moody Bible Institute campus, The Five Love Languages date night event. Oh, you combine five love languages and a date night for married couples. That's a pretty power-packed combo. 
Well, it is, and I deal not only with the love languages, though we certainly deal with that. You can't imagine my speaking without talking about love languages. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe there's two essentials to long-term healthy relationships, and I'm going to deal with both of them that night. One, obviously, is keeping love alive by speaking each other's love language on a regular basis. But the second thing, we have two sessions with a little break between Second session is how to deal effectively with our failures. Now, the reason I say that is essential is that none of us are perfect. You know, there was a guy who raised his hand when the speaker said, is there anyone who knows of a perfect husband? He shot his hand right up. He said, my wife's first husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. There's a lot there. (laughs) My observation is if there are any perfect husbands, they are deceased. Most of them got perfect after they died. None of us are perfect, and you don't have to be perfect to have a good marriage. But we do have to deal with our failures, and that's where it involves apologizing and forgiving. And in that session, we talk about how to effectively apologize, because not only do we have a different love language many times, but we also have a different apology language. So it's going to be an exciting evening, a very helpful evening. If couples can get these two things down, they're going to be on the road to growth in their marriage. Guys, I got to tell you this, Boom Crew. need you to listen to my heart here for a moment. A lot of you find yourselves in maybe the most dangerous place going. We often think about people splitting the sheets. Yeah. That's horrific. But maybe second and a close second, Gary, is the glorified roommate status. We walked down the aisle. We were so filled with joy and expectation. And now we just share a checkbook or bank accounts, occasional sex, and a couple of kids. What causes that love to disappear when we had such high expectations, Gary? I think sometimes, first of all, it's because we anticipated that those euphoric feelings that we call falling in love were just going to last forever. Because in those in that stage, you don't have to work at it. It's just there. And I, I yeah. thought when I went into marriage, I was always told, if you've got the real thing, it's going to last forever. Nobody told me the truth. <laughs> the truth is, we all come down off the high, and the average lifespan is two years. We come down off the high. And that's when, if you don't speak each other's love language on a regular basis, you will not have those positive feelings. But if you do speak their language, then you keep the emotional tank full. And consequently, I think realizing that and then learning how to do that, it's extremely important in having a good marriage. We want to invite you, if you want to hear more of this, Dr. Gary Chapman is going to be hosting the Five Love Languages Date Night event Thursday, October 26, 530 to 730, right here on the campus of Moody Bible Institute. If you want to get registered, get signed up for you and your spouse, just text the word DATE to 312-274-9624. All the details for this Five Love Languages Date Night event by texting the word DATE, 312-274-9624. Yeah, and this is this is a real treat, guys. This is a real treat to be able to have Dr. Gary Chapman live coaching you through some difficult situations in a way that gives you real hope and vitality for the future. Make an investment here. Let's fill the house. Boom crew, you know what to do. Text the word date to 312-274-9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. 
as we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.